the Holy Family Chapel Hill podcast, where you will find our weekly sermons, as well as the occasional reflection, conversation, or interview. We are glad you are here. Welcome. This week, I was listening to a 12-part series on Hadrian's Wall on the British Heritage Podcast. In one episode titled Religion in Roman Times, the host visits Chester's Roman Fort and Museum, encountering there several interactive exhibits related to religious life at the edge of the Roman Empire. The museum curator explains that the people of Rome would have had a god for almost every aspect of life, and that the relationship between people and the gods would have been contractual. The gods offer help in exchange for honor, worship, and commitment, she explains. And on one of the displays at this museum, visitors are invited to simulate this interaction exchanging gifts of light which they received as they entered the museum for commitments or oracles from the gods. The host picks up her gifts of light and the voice of Juno plays, Welcome. My fellow gods can help you succeed in the mortal realm. The gods will offer help in exchange for a gift of light and tell you which aspects of your life will be better. The host selects several gods, offering to them the gift of light before returning to receive a printout of her oracle. Take your oracle, Juno repeats again. Remember your commitment and the gods will do your bidding. How convenient, I thought, a god to do one's very own bidding. This may have been the kind of prayer that Paul has in mind as he writes in this week's text from the letter to the church in Rome, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Perhaps what the God's oracle above said doesn't sound like something you would say about prayer or about God. We understand in general, I think, that God is not merely about doing what we will. It is why we pray at least weekly, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven but consider some of the other ways we might think about prayer. One obvious place we can begin is where you may hear such prayers is with the prosperity gospel. And it goes a bit like this. If we pray hard enough and say the right words, have enough faith, then God will reward our prayers because, and here's the line from today's text that's often used, all things work together for the good of those who love God. It's a bit too easy to poke fun when we hear of folks praying for luxury cars or mansions, but it's more understandable and relatable when we ourselves pray following the diagnosis of a loved one or for a friend with a disordered relationship with prescription drugs. Sometimes we wish, possibly even think, that if we pray hard enough, all will be well because all things work together for the good of those who love God, right? 
But this is another way of saying that God is a tool for our own ends and desires. The relationship between us and God, it becomes little more than mechanistic. The right amount of faith or prayer, that fixes the problem. Let's look at another example that might be a bit closer to home. There's a mechanistic approach to prayer underneath a common response to the ubiquitous thoughts and prayers that get posted all over social media following a tragedy. You've probably seen this before. Something awful and terrible happens, and a whole host of people send thoughts and prayers to those affected. Stop sending thoughts and prayers, we cry. We want action. We want change. We should be fixing the problem. But this assumes that the only prayer worth anything is the prayer that fixes the problem. It assumes that that is why prayer exists. We offer prayer, and God offers results. If that isn't how it works, well, prayer isn't doing anything. So why waste time when we can leave our prayer closet and go fix the world ourselves? But according to the argument Paul has been building throughout Romans, and especially through chapter 8, this too misunderstands prayer. Remember that several weeks ago we spent a good deal of time talking about what God wants for the world. God loves the world that God has made and desires to be in communion with it. Our salvation, communion with God, happens through Jesus Christ the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit, as in his life we are brought into the life of the triune God, and always by God's own action. The Spirit of God dwells in us, and we are called children of God. And last week, the text from Romans builds on this idea. You have received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Here again, notice the Spirit of God is moving toward us, bearing witness with us. When we pray, we cry out to God, the Spirit cries out too. We are waiting for redemption. We are waiting for all to be made well. And while we wait, we hope and pray for it, and the Spirit is joining us. But we don't even have to stay in last week's text in Romans. This week, Paul begins, the, very, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And here is the real difference between the gods of Rome and our God. The gods of Rome become instruments and tools for human desires and ends. But our God, the triune Lord, is the one who intercedes for us and for the sake of the world who initiates and invites us into the work of overthrowing the powers and principalities for the sake of love and out of freedom. Our God intercedes on our behalf, the Son of God at the right hand of God, the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. The joining of creation and our own groaning for redemption is joined by the Spirit's sighs. Remember that when we say something about the Son and the Spirit, we are saying something about God. It is God who intercedes for us in the Son and in the size of the Holy Spirit. So then prayer is more than the resilience of the human spirit. It is humans' invulnerability calling on God. 
It is God meeting us in vulnerability. In prayer and in making us God's own, God transforms us, not by doing our bidding, but by adopting us, that we as children of God might be made capable of praying again, thy will be done, thy will be done, and joining the purposes of God. In our vulnerability before God, prayer becomes resistance to the law of sin and death, resistance to the powers that seek to destroy the creatures of God, resistance to alienation and fear and idolatry. And prayer, in bringing us close to God, resists the heartbreaking distance of our lives as they are versus what God has made us for. Calling on God in our vulnerability, being joined by God with sighs too deep for words, it is resistance to all that threatens communion that God so desires. It is nothing less than revolution, revolution against all that seeks to make death final and decisive and the most ultimate reality in our lives. And this is why Paul says that even death cannot separate us from the love of God. In prayer, we are not moving God to love the world. God already does. We are not moving God to save the world. In Jesus, God already has. This is not a God who is controlled by our prayers, a tool or puppet for our own ends. It is not a God who requires gifts to be with us. It is a God who made himself a gift so that we are no longer distant but close. And so what, you might say? Perhaps the prayers offered to the gods of Rome, well, if they work, are they better? If it fixes things, does it matter that God is free and unbounded and that God loves us? And to this, I can only say, there is the healing of a broken world in small pieces or in whole. And what we are promised is deeper and fuller. We will not just receive the miracle of one pain undone, but of all of them. The promise we receive from God is that we will not just receive the miracle of one death undone, but of all of them. What it means for God to be with us, it's all much bigger. It is under usual circumstances that we might call It is what we might call, under usual circumstances, an impossible hope. But it is not impossible, and we know this because of who God is. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Church of the Holy Family at holyfamilychapelhill.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Peace be with you.